Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Guy Marzarati in for Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, at least 55 people are dead and hundreds are missing after wildfires whipped through neighborhoods in Maui, destroying the historic town of Lahaina. Thousands of Maui residents and visitors have been evacuated, and this morning, thousands more are without power and cell service, complicating emergency response and leaving some without a way to know whether their loved ones are safe. We'll discuss the situation on the ground in Maui, answer your questions about the fires, and talk about what it will take to rebuild, and how to help those affected. Join us after this news. This is Forum. I'm Guy Marzarati in for Mina Kim. It's been a deadly, terrifying, and chaotic several days on the island of Maui, where hurricane-fueled wildfires tore through the island just after midnight on Tuesday, destroying much of the town of Lahaina, leaving more than 50 people dead, and Maui officials say as many as 1,000 people missing. California Governor Gavin Newsom said yesterday that this state would be deploying resources and urban search and rescue teams to assist in the response. This hour, we learn more about the situation and the people affected. Joining me first is Kahele Duclo, professor of Hawaiian studies and administrator at the University of Hawaii Maui College and a, Hawaii, and a Maui resident. Kahele, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. So you live uh, on Maui. You have family in West Maui. Can you describe what it was like for you all when these fires first broke out? Sure, certainly. um, On uh, that first night, it was really scary because there were um, fires happening in, in three different places. So I live on the other side of Lahaina, and we had fires um, that were engulfing a neighborhood uh, a few miles from my home, and there was a fire um, below my home that was, I could see, that was crawling towards Kihei, 
And then there was also the Lahaina fire that was happening. So it was, uh, it, and, and, you know, it was all unfolding really quickly. Um, and our county um, emergency response and fire, you know, teams were responding as quickly as they could. But I don't think at that moment we understood, you know, what the devastation would be and how quickly the fire in Lahaina um, would engulf that town. Mm. Um, and I think that that's something that people are, you know, um, a lot of people were saying that, they, you know, they didn't get a lot of notice and 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 those different things. And it's true because it happened so quickly um, and, you know, just covered so much area in a really, really short period of time, right, in minutes. Yeah. Talk about, if you can, maybe what some of your relatives uh, in West Maui have been, you know, going through basically from Tuesday night on. Sure. Um, so, you know, during that night, and I don't know exactly what time during that night that the cell service um, went down. And that was huge because nobody was able to contact people. So I had a, you know, I had numerous family members. Um, I had a niece who just had a baby. Her husband was on another island and we weren't able, you know, to contact that particular family. I had an, you know, I have a nephew who lives there. I have a niece, like, you know, so many and people just didn't know. We could not um, communicate with them. So um, just worrying about that, um, hoping that they got out. Um, as family members did get out, you know, we would get notice that they were found um, and, you know, that they were okay. But it was, um, you know, a whole day sometimes for us to um, be able to to know if our, you know, our family was okay. So it was just a lot of worrying. And then a lot of, um, you know, one day we, we heard, we did hear from one of my nephews, um, but he was out of gas. So he was stuck for like 10 hours and we were trying to figure out how to get gas to him. And, you know, that was just one example, right? There are yeah. hundreds of that didn't have access that were running out of gas and were trying to leave. And are there family members you're still trying to get in touch with or you've been able to connect with most folks? We have been able to connect with um, with all our family members, but we also have family you know, members who've lost their houses. So I think, you know, now we're, um, as, you know, as of yesterday, people were um, able to, through many different channels, um, you know, actually figure out whether or not their house made it. So I have one um, cousin who, you know, lost their house and I have one whose house is standing. Um, so people are, you know, just sort of beginning to understand uh, the extent of the devastation. I also want to bring into the conversation Marcel Honoré, staff writer with the Honolulu Civil Beat. Hey, Marcel. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. I also want to welcome Michelle Kahoane, Senior Vice President and Chief Impact Officer at the Hawaii Community Foundation. Good morning, Michelle. Aloha and good morning. So I, I want to uh, put this question to you, Michelle, just the general reaction that you have to the devastation we've been seeing. What's the last few days been like for you? The last few days have been humbling, uh, chaotic, uh, as Kahele described. Uh, Lahaina is it's it's really just devastating. The entire community is uh, rallying around, helping families who um, have lost their homes. We've lost businesses. The harbor uh, Lahaina is not the Lahaina that we know and love. It's 
there's just a lot of devastation. And so there's been tremendous amount of support from donors, not just here in Hawaii, but across the nation and around the world. And so it's it's been a little bit chaotic, but happy to be uh, the con- a conduit and an intermediary that is hoping to raise money to really support uh, our Maui community. And Marcel, can you give us kind of a larger sense of the update that these, you know, damage these fires have caused across the island? Yes, sure. So there's at this point, officially, there's been at least 1700 structures burned, but essentially, you know, as as the last guest mentioned, Lahaina Town is is, is all but burned to the ground. Um, as of late last night, there were, you know, the, it was still a, a situation where you had the National Guard and other authorities conducting search and rescue. Um, you know, we, we have reporters on the ground there. Uh, my colleague Brittany Light is reporting that there it's a, a situation kind of similar to uh, Hurricane Katrina in that aftermath where they're they're marking buildings, right, where uh, they're finding people, but they they haven't entered yet. Um, the the governor had been off island. I think he was actually on the East Coast when this happened. So he finally got back yesterday and uh, they were touring and assessing the damage. They're basically saying it's going to take billions of dollars to rebuild. It's going to take years to rebuild. You know, Maui already had a, a real housing crisis in terms of enough, uh, you know, sufficient places to live like so many other places. Uh, but now that's, you know, a, an enormous challenge that's going to be you know, happening going forward with thousands of people displaced. Um, you also have, again, this is as of last night, uh, there are about a thousand people still unaccounted for. Um, but like the other guests have mentioned, there's, um, you know, communications issues, the, the, the phone lines, fiber optic cables under underground were, were destroyed. So uh, there's just a lot of, of challenges still getting in touch with people who are in that area. And you've done some reporting suggesting that maybe local officials were caught off guard by this. They Yes, they were uh, certainly caught off guard. Um, there were wildfires that had uh, sparked early in the morning Tuesday. This this whole thing unfolded uh, later on Tuesday. But Maui was already go- undergoing a situation with several wildfires um, across the the landscape there, um, and and so that you know that that was certainly in play. Um, but but yeah, like the other previous guests mentioned, um, the 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 situation in Lahaina, and there actually had been a wildfire that that had started there early in the day. I uh, think they had reported it out, but then it it sparked up again and just it, it caught everyone by surprise. Um, some of the the key officials apparently weren't even on on the island uh, when when this happened. Um, and we're still trying to piece together kind of the timeline of 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 what the evacuation looked like, what the order looked like. but what officials are indicating is you know whatever that timeline is, it was it was so fast. I mean the the first, neighborhoods to get hit were essentially, you know, that was their evacuation order right there was was the fire coming down on them. And Michelle, we talked about the issues with the, uh, you know, phone connections. What do you see as the biggest hurdle uh, to providing immediate relief over the course of the last few days? The, the Right now, the community is really doing uh, or government is doing and the nonprofits, we've been pulling them together to just get an assessment of where how to best deploy capital. So we have the normal Red Cross Salvation Army serving at emergency shelters. 
And right now we're really focused on necessities, emergency shelter, food, clothing. So many of these families have lost everything. And so really just in this phase, focusing on the necessities, getting folks into emergency shelters, and we know this is going to be a long haul. Uh, we will continue to fundraise. Financial assistance is going to be needed long, longer term, and interim housing is going to be needed. Um, and so we're pr- bracing ourselves and preparing uh, to help this recovery for the long haul. And Marcel, where have people been getting medical treatment? So it has been very limited. Some of the the medical facilities, certainly in Lahaina, have have been down. Um, so it uh, what medical facilities there are there are very limited. Uh, people with with burn and serious injuries of, of that like um, the the facilities there weren't able to to handle that. They've actually been flying some people off island, uh, like to Oahu, where I am right now, um, to treat some of those. Uh, those injuries. And are first responders getting assistance? I mean, I just imagine a disaster of this magnitude can be really overwhelming. Yeah. So, you know, there are basically four, the the islands out here divided into four counties. And, uh, you know, the the winds that helped uh, create this disaster, when when those struck up, uh, basically all of the the counties kind of activated their uh, emergency operations centers and when it was clear that that Maui was in a lot of trouble um, as this unfolded, the other the other counties, um, Oahu, Kauai, um, uh, they basically started sending resources. There were initially about a hundred or so firefighters, on, uh, sorry, uh, fire crews and firefighters on Maui uh, from various agencies mm-hmm. uh, that were working to fight this this fire. And at least initially. 20 firefighters were sent over from Honolulu, some firefighters over here who who volunteered to, to head over. Ah. But just overall, yeah, the other the other islands are are sending um, emergency supplies and resources. To that help kind of that mutual aid. Yeah. So we're going to take a break in a moment, but we definitely want to hear from you on this. Your questions about the fires. Maybe you're from Maui or Hawaii or have a special connection to a place like Lahaina. Give us a call. 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. Or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at KQED Forum. I'm Guy Marzarati. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Guy Marzarati in for Mina Kim, and we're talking about the deadly wildfires in Maui this week, and we want to hear from you. Have you or your family, loved ones, maybe friends been affected by the wildfires in Maui or on the Big Island? Do you have a connection to Maui that you'd like to share? And what are your questions about these fires? We're going to get into maybe some of the thoughts about why these fires became so destructive. You can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at KQED Forum, or give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. One listener writes, I have lots of family that had to evacuate from their homes in Lahaina, and many of them were burned down. The temple where my grandparents' ashes were and the church we used to go to are also gone now. It's been really gutting to see the photos and video footage of everything destroyed. The lack of communication's been hard, not knowing where the state of things are, trying to find out who's safe, where everyone is uh, through, you know, third and fourth hand messages. Um, That seems like a common experience we're hearing from from folks who are uh, living through this. With me uh, this hour, Marcel Honore, a staff writer with the Honolulu Civil Beat, Michelle Kahuane, Senior Vice President and Chief Impact Officer at the Hawaii Community Foundation, and Kahale Duklo, Professor of Hawaiian Studies and Administrator at the University of Hawaii Maui College. Michelle, I want to go back to you. The fast-moving nature of these fires, how quickly they spread throughout the night starting on Tuesday. How has that, you know, affected efforts to shut up, set up shelters and really provide relief? Yeah, you know, the I think the biggest challenge and why the fire spread so quickly is that the winds were pretty high. And so uh, there was very little time and it just happened so quickly uh, I'm really proud of our community for the way we come together in times of emergency. In less than four hours, when we activated our Maui Strong Fund, we had received uh, just uh, just over a million dollars in four hours. And within 24 hours, we hit a $3 million mark. We're working very closely with Red Cross, with the Salvation Army, and are starting to get dollars out the door now within 72 hours and moving as quickly as possible. Um, But again, still assessing what the complete damage is, um, exactly what families need. Right now, we're just in a rapid response of emergency crisis, emergency shelter, food and clothing. Um, And again, this will be long term, but just really proud of our community at the way folks have come forward and stood up to contribute to really help our families on Maui. Yeah. Marcel, um, you know, Michelle mentioned the winds um, talk about that, you know, the, the effect they had on how quickly uh, these fires were able to spread. Sure. So really what caused these these winds and, and this situation was a hurricane offshore. It was, it was a fairly unusual situation. You know, typically when you think of a, a hurricane and a hurricane doing extensive damage or, or something to this scale, you know, you think of a, a direct strike. Hurricane Dora was passing about 500 miles to the south of the Hawaiian Islands, uh, but it created uh, weather conditions so that there were there were still huge gusts, um, you know, all throughout the islands. We were feeling it very much so here on on Oahu as well. And officials were saying even though some of those gusts were reaching upwards of 80 miles per hour, which is actually you know, hurricane strength. 
And so that was, was fueling these wildfires. It was, it was a, a, you know, it was a situation where you have strong winds, uh, you had very low humidity and uh, just the, you know, uh, I, I know another guest come on can talk at, at length about the the situation we have in terms of, of fuel for these fires and and what what's going on with that. Um, but basically, it was it was sparked by a hurricane initially, uh, without there being any sort of of water or, or rain, right, flooding, anything like that, or or the the hurricane even being within a few hundred miles of of where we live. So do we have any idea what actually, you know, started the first of the fires? We don't. We're we're still trying to figure that out or we're we're, we're still waiting to hear what what the assessment is when that when that comes out. Um and again there were there were several fires both on on Maui and on Hawaii Island, the, the big island next door. Um typically uh in in most cases these are these are man you know whether they're accidental or intentional they're they're you know human caused out here in the islands yeah um i want to you know ask about um kahle the impact on schools i know there are schools that um were affected directly by the fires in maui others that that had to close what are you seeing um as far as the the impact on on school kids on the island well at this point, we, we are just anticipating what that might be. For this week, all Maui public schools were closed, except for one that is on the total opposite side of the island. There are four public schools in the Lahaina district. Um, one of those schools, Kamehameha, the, the third school, was um, destroyed. We're still um, waiting to hear um, the extent of the damage to the other schools. Um, I think the Department of Education is trying to, um, all those schools will remain closed next week also, the Lahaina schools. And at this point, they just, we're trying to understand what the disbursement of, of students across Maui might be. So they are um, working on an expedited system to get students into any public school, you know, where where people have been dispersed. Um and as far as the other, you know, the other, there's another elementary school, another middle school, and a high school, Lahaina Luna. Um, I think at this point, they just don't understand what the needs will be, what the, I mean, we're still understanding what the damage is. Right. Um, and where people are at. So, um, you know, they're doing their best to anticipate what the need might be, but it's, there's still so much unknown at this moment. I want to go to the callers uh, and hear from Krista in Sebastopol. Excellent. Aloha, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, what's on your mind, Crystal? Krista? I just want to say thank you so much for all the first responders and, and all of the folks that are on the call today um, for the work that you're doing for the locals there. Um, I'm born and raised in Maui and grew up in Lahaina. I currently live in Sebastopol in Sonoma County. And so we know firsthand here about fire damage and how destructive it can be. Um, I also want to speak to the recovery of that and that it takes time, but that, you know, the grassroots efforts are really where, um, you know, it, it, the, the, the true help can happen for the, for the people and the locals. And it's, it's, um, it's taken a long time here, three to five years to get to where we want to go. But, 
it will happen. Um, but in the meantime, I'm just very grateful for, for the work that's being done. Thank you so much, Chris. And are you planning anything, um, you know, ways to get involved, ways you can recommend to, uh, to folks? Yes, absolutely. So the Maui Rapid Response um, Organization has some really good suggestions for donations. Um, the Maui Strong Fund is definitely one of them. I think you all mentioned that. Maui Mutual Aid is another, and Maui United Way. Um, I'm currently going to be working with some of our um, folks here in Sebastopol with the Sebastopol Chamber, the Center for the Arts, and the Gravenstein Grill. And we're going to be doing a fundraiser on April 23rd, Wednesday at 5 p.m. because, um, you know, people want to give, right? They want to donate and be a part of supporting um, the restoration and the efforts that are happening and and the people. So that's something that I'm going to be doing here in Sebastopol. Thank you so much, Krista. I appreciate that. Um, Thank you for calling. And and Michelle, where would you recommend, you know, folks look or go to who are, you know, looking to help out in the days to come? Again, you mentioned our Maui Strong Fund. We are definitely coordinated with Maui United Way, um, with Haima and the volunteer um, group that is working directly with the mayor's office. And so, just, I mean, my only recommendation, there's so much need, is just to make sure that we're providing resources to, um, we've been getting lots of calls from the Attorney General's office. There's many, many uh, funds popping up. So just being careful during this time of need. Um, but it's great. There, I mean, there's so many, there are additional funds out there. Again, we're we're supporting a Maui Strong Fund, uh, and I think other great organizations have already been mentioned on this call as well. Michelle Kahawane, Senior Vice President and Chief Impact Officer at the Hawaii Community Foundation, really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. I now want to welcome in a new guest, Clay Chowernick, Extension Specialist in Ecosystems and Fire in the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Management at University of Hawaii. Clay, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And a question I'm sure a lot of people might have on their minds is how common are wildfires in general in Hawaii? Yeah, um, well, unfortunately, they're they're far more common than they once were. Um, in the past couple, several decades, we've seen about a 300% increase in the annual area burned on average across the state. So kind of a jump from about 5,000 acres per year on average over most of the 20th century to about 20,000 acres a year on average since about the 1990s. Um, And that's really, it's rather than a climate signal, what we are seeing there is a change in land use. So the decline in large scale agriculture and a shrinking footprint of active ranching across the state. And what that does is kind of leave, it leaves these landscapes um, open to the establishment of these non-native tropical grasses. So grasses from other parts of the world that fill in and pretty much the only thing that grows and then they're highly adapted to burn um, and they create incredible, incredibly dangerous conditions for for firefighters to work in. So this is connected in part to the decline of the sugar industry? I mean, what's leading to these these open lands? 
Yeah, I mean, sugar, pineapple, um, and, and, and agriculture more generally, as we've sort of shifted towards more economy centered on real estate development and tourism, the, uh, you know, profit margins for that kind of economic activity is pretty slim. And you just don't see it being practiced, given, given the value of the land and the cost of labor. And again, that just creates a very vulnerable scenario. And so when we see the alignment of these other risk factors, so that being what Marcel was spelling out, these high winds, but also very dry conditions uh, across the state. And that, that's due to the storm. When they pass very closely, they're actually drawing moisture towards them. And so we were seeing incredibly dry conditions. And when those conditions line up, the landscape is just primed to burn. And so we, those of us working on fire prevention uh, for years now, and we've seen these large scale incidents uh, on Maui in particular, um, and it's really a problem of fuels management. And the bright side of that is that, you know, we can change the vegetation. This is stuff that we, we can, we can, you know, increase the, the intensity of land management in these areas to, to reduce risk. I know Dave in Southern Humboldt County uh, has a question in this regard. Hey, Dave. Uh, Not so much a question as a uh, comment and offering. Uh, I'm a wildfire mitigation specialist, and what happened in Lahaina is tragic and unfortunate. Um, However, it's really just one more example, like uh, Paradise and Santa Rosa and, you know, all the others that are becoming all too common in that, the wildfire transitions into an urban fire and goes house to house to house. And uh, what's also unfortunate is that uh, we have the means to prevent that, but it doesn't get nearly the publicity it deserves. If anyone uh, just Googles fire-hardened structures or fire-hardened homes, you'll get a whole list of links that tell all about it. Some of my favorites are from uh, UC Cooperative Extension. Um, it's it's just so doable, and it's just tragic that the word is not out there. Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate you weighing in on this. Marcel and Clay, is this? Can you speak to the kind of public awareness uh, in Hawaii of, of these issues? Is you know what Dave is saying about the lack of uh, maybe publicity around this? Does that resonate? Uh, I can jump in. That resonates with with us pretty clearly. I've been working with uh, Hawaii Wildfire Management Organization, which is a nonprofit on the Big Island, and they've been trying to support our fire responders for the past 20 years. And so we do initiate programs like FireWise, where you're getting neighborhoods to do what they can around uh, around the homes. And and I think to what the, the caller was speaking to us more specifically is that our policies and our strategies uh, for reducing fire risk have not, as far as implementation, have not really caught up with the level of risk, right? So this is not a case of building homes out into fire-prone ecosystems. Uh, our ecosystems here are really don't, they evolved in the absence of fire, and, and it's really this change uh, in land use around our communities. And so we're, we're trying to catch up, um, and we've been supporting projects across the state that are working on different ways to reduce that risk. For example, targeting grazing, um, again, working with the fuels, uh, replanting reforestation efforts, 
um, even restoration of uh, traditional Hawaiian agriculture, um, wetland taro, to actually serve as fire breaks, provide safe spaces for the firefighters to operate. Um, our problem is that we are not doing this at the scale that we need to. Um, and again, if you alter those fuels, you can make it so that they are far less sensitive to these climatic conditions. Uh, but the caller is exactly right. There's a lot of things that the homeowners can do as well. Um, we are just sort of behind the curve in that because, uh, yeah, we're still trying to, we're struggling to get to get the awareness out there that fire is a recurrent issue. We've seen large scale, rapidly moving fires on Maui and all the other islands before, um, but typically the impacts are more ecological than social. And, uh, you know, here, here we are. Unfortunately, this is the worst outcome we could possibly, possibly imagine. I mean, there's a lot of conversation in California about changing fire management practices from suppress everything uh, to things like controlled burns. I mean, is any of that underway in uh, Hawaii, Marcel? Yeah, that might actually be a, a better question for, for Clay. I'm not sure about the, the control burns. I just, just to piggyback off of what he was saying, you know, only about 1% of our uh it's it, it well it, it varies but it's about one to two percent of the state's budget goes towards land conservation land stewardship land management um it, it's it's been a big problem uh for a while in terms of of distributing the resources i've heard clay say in in the past that you know it's going to take a big uh you know it's going to take some sort of an incident to really jolt people to the full scale of the threat and the risk. Um, I don't think anybody was anticipating that it would be this, but unfortunately, I, I, he's he's correct. Um, you know, yesterday, the governor was even weighing in on this situation about how how uh, you know we've been underfunding uh, these sorts of of practices, and that you know that is certainly going to change going forward. But it 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 took an event like this. But I'll I'll you know kick it to Clay on on what we're doing with in terms of control burns. Yeah, Clay, I may have to come back to you on that in a bit. We're going to uh, head into a break in a moment, and I want to give our listeners some info on how they can join the conversation. We definitely want to hear from you. If you have family members, loved ones, friends who've been affected by these wildfires, if you have a connection uh, to Maui that you'd like to share, or to Lahaina, we're going to talk more about the damage uh, done in that town coming up. Or if you have more questions about these fires that we can answer for you, email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Discord. We're at KQED Forum. And you can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. I'm Guy Marzarati. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Guy Marzarati in for Mina Kim. The historic Maui harbor town of Lahaina was reduced to rubble in many places this week, the result of horrific wildfires that tore through the Hawaiian Islands. We're talking about those fires this morning and what was lost. I'm joined by Clay Chowernick, Extension Specialist in Ecosystems and Fire in the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Management at University of Hawaii, Marcel Honore, staff writer with the Honolulu Civil Beat, and Kahele Duclo, Professor of Hawaiian Studies and administrator at University of Hawaii Maui College and a resident of Maui. And Kahele, can you maybe give us a sense uh, for our audience of the historical, the cultural significance of Lahaina? Yeah, certainly. Um, Lahaina was the first um, capital of the Hawaiian nation, of the Hawaiian kingdom, um, from the early 1800s till about 1845. Um, It really was during that time that um, the Hawaiian kingdom government uh, evolved into a constitutional um, monarchy. It's where we created laws and treaties, um, laws, uh, modern laws uh, towards, you know, universal education and healthcare, things like that, um, where we uh, launched treaty, you know, created treaties with the rest countries all over the world. it is a place where uh, many of our um, ali'i or, or chiefs and chiefesses are buried. Um, we have, you know, very sacred um, places like Moku'ula, um, where that were, that was devastated by the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of a, a lot of our kingdom's history. Um, evolves from Lahaina, you know, the um, first uh, educational institution in Hawaii. Um, Lahaina Luna is there. Um, you know, it was the it was the first. Uh, it was a teachers' college. It was where our first newspaper and our first books in our kingdom were printed. Um, so, just the legacy of um, our sort of modern uh, Hawaiian kingdom government mm-hmm. uh, stems from Lahaina. And is it too soon to know just the scope of the, that history and the scope of the artifacts maybe that have been lost in these fires? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, you know, we, we, we're we worried about the people that are there now, the people have, that have been displaced and the people, the thousands of people who are still there. I think that's something that people don't realize that there are still thousands of people who are in Lahaina um, who are in need of support. Um, and, you know, we have, I, I just myself, you know, as one person know of so many people who are making boat runs and, and, and truck runs out there with gas and water and ice for the people that who are still there. Hmm. Um, but as far as, um, 
you know, there we have uh, not the there's a cultural center in the Aikane Omawi that was established down on Front Street um, that was destroyed. And, you know, it was a place where Hawaiians were reestablishing a presence um, in, in, a, in a very tourist dominated um, <laughs> landscape. Um, we had the Huiva'a, um, where our voyaging canoes were across the street. So, you know, there was this, um, and it's actually in the exact same place that the Hawaiian kingdom government was first established, where um, we were sort of reestablishing our presence as Hawaiians. Um, and in one of those buildings, there were a lot of um, artifacts. Um, but more importantly, it was a place that, um, you know, we could uh, care for, you know, displaced. We, we would have... Uh, burials that would uh, come up on shore or that were displaced. And it, it was a sort of pu'uhonua uh, or a, a safe space for Hawaiians to be able to um, take care of, of those things, and but also to gather and to learn and, you know, to create a community space. Hmm. And it sounds like, I mean, from what you're saying, so many of the uh, folks who are still there are must feel incredibly isolated in this moment, it's just, you know, hard to get information, hard to get aid. Absolutely. And um, it's just distressing. And even though we know that, you know, like the emergency response has been incredible. Um, I think, you know, the government response, the federal government, county, state government, you know, is one thing. And and they are, we are really trying hard to coordinate all of that. Um, but the community response um, is equally as important, right? Because I think, you know, we're responding to the individual needs of, you know, our, you know, like my niece needs gas. So we're trying, you know, we're trying to figure out, we, we're getting that information um, and then trying to, you know, respond to those things. So, yeah, it is. And I, I think for them, it's for people who are still out there, it's sort of apocalyptic in a way. Um, my niece who has stayed, right? They didn't leave Lahaina, but yesterday was the first day that they went into Lahaina town to see the devastation. Mm. Um, and it was just really overwhelming for them to see that because they knew something was happening, but they, they weren't quite sure what the extent of the damage was until they went yesterday to see. And it's just, I mean, we've all seen the images. It's just... It's yeah, just terrible. It is. Yeah. Um, I want to go to the uh, phones now and, and Adam in Santa Cruz, who I think has some questions about uh, about Lahaina. Hey, Adam. Aloha and good morning. Um, I'm Kauai and Oahu born uh, and raised, and I moved to the uh, mainland. And so I'm just curious, uh, how is Lahaina's uh, historical the history of whaling and um, specifically asking about the banyan tree in um, in Lahaina Central. And just curious if, um, because that is actually a, um, a baby from the Bodhi tree under which the Buddha found his enlightenment. So I'm just curious because it's historically important. Um, and yeah. I've been a wildland firefighter, so I understand what is the, the, the actual scope of what went down. 
Thank you so much, Adam, for for your call. Um, and Kahle, I don't know if there's anything you can speak to as far as uh, Adam's questions. Um, if you know anything about uh, the tree or or can share anything with us. Yeah, I mean, you know, the banyan tree is sort of a, a modern uh, landmark, if you will. It's located right um, right next to the first courthouse. Um, in Lahaina and that entire area has burnt. So I, I you know, the from the I, I don't from the pictures, um I don't think it I don't think it survived, right? I, I know the buildings all around it burnt. I it is burnt. Um to what extent I don't know. Yeah. I wanna go now to uh Anna Maria in Sacramento, um, who has a question about friends in Maui. Hey, welcome to Forum. Hello. Thank you. I'm just concerned. I have a friend who lives in a spiritual community, but I think it's on the eastern side of Maui. And I'm wondering if anybody knows if that area is also affected by the fire. Are they evacuating? Are they safe? Because I've been trying to call since I heard that there were fires in Maui, and I haven't been able to get through at all. Mm. So. I don't know. Well, thank you so much for uh, calling with that question. Marcel, I don't know if you have any information about the eastern side of the island that you can share. Yeah, so the eastern side, the Hana side, uh, generally, so okay, there were, there were actually uh, three main fires, as I understand it, that were burning um, earlier this, this week when this all started. Um, there was an upcountry fire and there was a, uh, a Pulehu fire. Um, any parts of, of Kula were burned, but as far as the, the east, east side, you know, the, the way the islands work, it's, um, uh, you know, we we get the trade winds, which come in and, and hit the east sides generally. And the leeward sides are, are the west sides of the island. Those are the, the, the drier arid sides, which is where Lahaina is. Um, and, and so the, the east sides, you know, they, they tend to, to fare better, um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry if they, they can't get in touch, but those sides are, are generally are generally doing better. It's really West, uh, West Maui right now that that is that is under under this situation. Mm-hmm. And Adam had mentioned the whaling uh, industry there. Um, obviously, the tourism uh, is a huge industry in Maui. What is your sense also of small businesses? and local entrepreneurs and kind of what they're dealing with, um, both in Lahaina and around the island? Yeah, it's going to be an, an extremely heavy lift to get all of these businesses. I mean, you just have to assume, and if you were in, a, you know, a small business owner in Lahaina, it's, it, you know, you, you lost your, your, um, your facility. Um, so the, you know, the, we're already looking at, at the um, mechanisms to help people get get back on their feet, small business association loans, um, you know, FEMA loans and grants, uh, the, the FEMA region nine administrator actually covers, you know, much of the West, including California. He happened to be out here, uh, when this all went down. So they've been touring and they're, you know, we've been getting the emergency declarations, both, uh, the proclamations on the, the state level and, and president Biden, uh, you know, issued his declaration. Um, so a lot of, aid money you know we're, we're expecting to see that pipeline open but also in terms of yeah 
small business loans and the like. Uh, but but there's there's just going to be you know uh, I, I I'm not even sure how many, but scores of of small businesses that are going to have to to start from scratch again. Also, just real fast on the other caller too. I I, I um my my colleague Jack Truesdale made it into Lahaina. He actually mentioned that he he saw the banyan tree was was standing. Uh, again, though, I don't, as far, far as whether it survived, we'll have to see. But for what we know from now, it is it is still at least it, it's standing. It's there. We'll have to assess the damage, though. Well, thanks for sharing that. That is uh, at least a glimmer of hope to hear this morning. You're listening to Forum. I'm Guy Marzarati in for Mina Kim. And I want to come back to the discussion about the fires uh, that we had a little bit earlier this hour with Clay Chowernick, Extension Specialist in Ecosystems and Fire in the Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Management at University of Hawaii. And Clay, I had begun to talk with Marcel about this idea of controlled burns um, as a strategy that's gaining traction uh, in California as we've gone through some horrific wildfires in recent years. Have you seen that, um, you know, gain any popularity or interest in Hawaii? It's gaining interest. And in fact, the Maui County Fire Department, uh, they do do it at small scale um, for some effect on it that it has on fuels, uh, but it's also for training purposes. And so there's a number of the fire departments here that are using it. The issue we have with controlled burning and our the main difference between us and a place like California is that our native ecosystems are evolved without fire or very limited fire. And so um, if those fires enter our, our watershed forests, uh, recovery is quite difficult. And it's not so much that our native plants can't recover from fire as much as, as it is the pressure of the weeds, all these introduced weeds. Um, it's hard for people to get a sense of how dramatically the lower areas uh, of our islands have been completely transformed. Like there's very little native vegetation left aside from like coasts and, and way up um, on the mountain. And so people are worried about the p- potential effect and the potential outcomes of escaped fires here uh, because it is not really part of our of our ecosystems. Uh, that being said, uh, it, it's a potential tool for, for us. We've got very extensive areas of these non-native grasslands, about a million acres statewide. And so we need to be, uh, you know, in my opinion, exploring any options uh, that, that we can to, to really get get ahead uh, and, and knock down the quantity uh, of some of these fuels. Uh, the other thing we have to deal with or contend with in uh, in Hawaii is that we're in the tropics and, you know, these fires burn through these grasslands and you get a couple rain events following that and you'd be surprised and blown away by how quickly the grasses recover. So, you know, once you get into this cycle of where you have fuel management programs established, it, it, it's constant, right? Uh, folks that are mowing fuel breaks around some of our forest reserves, for example, are doing this kind of work uh, multiple times a year, uh, especially when it's wet to, to handle these tropical grasses. Yeah. I want to bring Aurora uh, in Berkeley into the conversation. Hey, Aurora. Hi. Um, yeah, so I grew up uh, on Maui in Lahaina. I went to Lahaina Luna High School. Um, I moved there when I was 10 years old. Um, that was basically 1980. And back then, um, so basically I want, to, I want to talk about the ecosystem Um Back then, uh, water was brought through from Hana to all of the island, and the drinking water was wonderful. Now you kind of can't even drink the water. And um, then it got diverted to Kihei to produce all of the greenery that is there, where 
before Wailea existed, it was all kiave trees. It was all, you know, brush and dry and and trees that, you know, were thorny, but but, you know, that was the ecosystem. And now it's all green and lush and a super tourist hub. But what that did was, you know, take water away from Lahaina. And not only that, but like an earlier caller mentioned, taking down all the sugarcane, which, yes, burning sugarcane was a pollutant, but it acted as a um, water catch, right? So water mm-hmm. water would, um, would uh, not run off into the ocean. Now there's condos up there everywhere, and that creates runoff, and so none of the water is captured, much like the problems we have here in California. And I think we really need to think hard about how we rebuild um, rebuild Maui because we need to think more about things like that. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Aurora. Uh, Clay, not too much time left, but you know your thoughts on that and, and the vision for what rebuilding should look like maybe. Well, I mean, I don't think it's on me to speak about the vision. I think uh, the folks that live there uh, and especially are from from there, uh, Hawaii, uh, from Lahaina, have the right people to talk to about the vision. But I, I think it just speaks to this larger perspective that we need to be thinking about the investments we make, not just within our communities, but in the landscape surrounding our communities. And there's so many things that people are already doing to, to knock down the, the risk. Uh, and to reduce risk. And, it, and these provide models, and this includes everything from Hawaiian agriculture uh, to grazing systems to reforestation that we could be doing uh, that would really significantly reduce the risk. And, and of course, the, most importantly, I think, is just you know provide our firefighters, relieve some of the burden that's on their shoulders right now when these incidents uh, erupt, especially when you have multiple ones going across the island. They are spread as thin as, you, as, as can be. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody's Everybody's responding. So we need to think about the things that we can do and look towards the examples that are already there on the ground uh, that just need to be scaled up. Great. Well, Clay Charnick, Marcel Honoré, and Kaheli Duclo, uh, I want to thank you all for taking the time to join us this morning, provide us with so much uh, information, and I wish you all the best. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This Hour of Forum is produced by Carolyn Smith, Grace Wan, Dan Zoll, and Juan Carlos Lara. Marlena Jackson Rotondo is our engagement producer. Francesca Fenzi is our digital community producer who launched our Discord this week. And Susie Britton is our lead producer. Our engineers, Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, Catherine Monahan, and Jim Bennett. Our vice president of news, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. Also, a special thanks to Molly Solomon and her work putting together today's show. I'm Guy Marzarati, in for Mina Kim. Thanks so much for joining us, and hope you all have a great weekend. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.